Hello there, this is Fiona, host of What Am I Rolling and main co-host of the DMs Book Club. Earlier this year, or last year depending on when you're listening to this, I was invited to take part in a wonderful panel at MCM Comic Con called A Behind the Screens Look Game Master Roundtable. Hosted by the wonderful Taylor from Backwater Bastards, I, along with some very cool DMs from Dark Dice Podcast, Backwater Bastards and Dice and Desire, chatted about our different approaches to running our favourite role-playing games. Long story short, this is the audio from that panel, as an end-of-year Happy New Year bonus. I've linked the original stream video and the other panellists' work in the show notes, so go check them out and give them support. Thank you so much to Taylor for inviting me on the panel. She's amazing, and I hope to grow up to be like her one day. Thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. May your dice roll high, or low, depending on your system of choice, and may your tabletop stories be emotional and fulfilling in all the best ways. What was what was that? I I couldn't hear it, so it doesn't count. I'm gonna need a bigger noise if we're gonna kick this off. Three, two, one. Oh, I kind of like that. Okay, okay, okay. So, good afternoon. Afternoon. We're going with that. We're going with that. I'm Taylor, and today I'm living out my dream. I'm DMing some DMs. I know. I know, they never let me do this. I'm an eternal player. Uh, And so today I'm doing the thing. And I'm seeing a couple people out there who are not sitting. And it's all right here, right now. These chairs are comfortable. Travis told me we need your behinds in them. It's about to get real. We're going to hear about it today. So this is a behind-the-screens look at the secrets of some of the world's greatest DMs. And please do not... Uh, for legal purposes, do not quote me on that. That is a Taylor original. I'm gonna introduce you to them and we're gonna pick their brains. Here we go. So first up, we've got Fiona, who is a London-based voiceover artist, improviser, and she's the main host of What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. She also co-hosts something really cool called the DM's Book Club, which is where all of the secrets come out and you're gonna need to listen to it after this because you will find some stuff to take back to your own home games. Please come out and join us on the stage. And mind the water bottle that I just threw into the couch. I will, I will. Excellent, and next up we've got Nate Peterson. He is a DM, duh. And he's the DM of Dice and Desire, which is a podcast that's been going since 2020, if you can remember back that far because let's be honest, some of that time kind of got lost in the continuum. But here he comes, he and his team were actually featured ninth in the EN World's 2021 Actual Play Podcast Awards, which sounds pretty serious. So I feel like he's probably got a couple things to tell us. Nate, let's go. And next up, near and dear to my twisted little heart is Dick DM Dynamite Kimberbell. And okay, so Dick is actually my DM, so he has to put up with this once a week, all the time, since like, what, 2018? 2018. So he's the DM, main world builder, homebrew master of the Backwater Bastards podcast since 2018, like I said. And here he is, come on out. He's also somebody who's invented his own game system, so if you have stuff like that (laughs) crawling around in your brains, he's the guy to ask. Last but not least is Travis. So Travis 
is the producer, sound designer, and DM of Dark Dice and half of Fool and Scholar Productions. And you might have heard a couple of his things. He's got a lot of shows out there. Particularly something maybe that had Jeff Goldblum in it. I don't know. Maybe you know about this. Maybe not. You could come to his table and ask him. Either way, here he is. And his stuff has surpassed 20 million downloads at this point. So we've got questions. Travis, let's go. Hello. Okay, they're all here, and I am just kind of going to poke at them a lot, and I'm hoping that some of you have questions too. We're going to find out. The way this is going to work is we're going to try to have a casual conversation about what, what do DMs do, what is, how do they do it, how they figure it out. We're going to kick off with my favorite question. How did this happen to you? How did you become Game Masters? What freak accident were you in? that turned you into these things. Let's go. Chat it up. So I'll just, just jump in and answer, shall I? Um, personally, Tay, I, uh, I played Dungeons & Dragons. My dad had first edition. He had um, advanced Dungeons & Dragons. And he would play with me and my brother. And he, the way he like, DM'd was, you know, it was this really improvisational, storytelling based, really free, really, really took advantage of the medium. And I loved it so much that, uh, I always thought I could probably do it one day. And then um, Daniel, the, uh, the missing player from Backwater Bastards, kept asking, you know, you need to come and you need to DM us because you're the only one of us that's ever played Dungeons and Dragons before. So, so I did it. And, and I've been stuck in that that's role true. ever since. That's true. That checks out. So I never saw myself as a DM. I never, I, I was always interested in the game for quite a while. Like it, I, I didn't really know what Dungeons and Dragons was. I just saw it from afar as being this elusive game that none of my friends played and things like that. And then I just one day took the chance to ask a few friends if they wanted to play, and they did. And one of my friends said, you know what, I'm going to buy the starter kit, I'm going to be the DM, I'm going to go through all the rules. And I was like, cool, takes a lot of pressure off me. About three weeks before our first game, he went, do you know what, too many rules, I can't do it, and he completely backed out. So then I just literally just fell into it. It was just like, do you know what? No, if no one else wants to do this, I guess I'll do it. I'll give it a go. Uh, stepped up. I'm not a hero. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just decided to do it one day. And I've been sort of stuck in it ever since. It's been a journey. It's been a, trying to work out if I want to be a player or a DM. I think I'm a DM. But yeah. The eternal question. Walking along the line quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, oh. Hello? Oh. They, they silence me straight away. <laughs> you want to go, Travis? Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. We gotta get you a mic. Okay. Um, so, can you all hear us, by the way? Thumbs up. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Cool. So, I had this really long bus ride to and from school every day. That was 30 minutes or more. Usually up to like an hour and a half if traffic was there each way. So, my friends like, you want to play a game? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to play a game. Uh, so, we started playing on the bus, and then eventually. Um, what? On the bus? Yeah, on the bus. It was was basically, we didn't use Hard dice. Four. We were using like, okay, number between, behind the back. You've got like odds, you get like two guesses or three guesses, depending on what type of dice it would be. Okay. Uh, and then eventually um, I started telling the stories. I don't know why, but it just, it happened. And then I never stopped telling the stories and I never got to play again. And I'm here today. <laughs> That's how it happens. I'm gonna trade mics with you real quick. Cause I think, I think we're trying to censor somebody over here. Her story's a She has edgy. horrific views. That's too extreme. It's a lot, it's a lot, brace yourself. Oh, the, the red button, you have to push that. Press the red button. Who knows? Anyway, hello everyone, my name's no. Fiona. No? I'm on. Oh, 
Yeah, you're right, Nate. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I actually started test, in the test, old test, fashion. Test, test, test. Oh, yeah, you know, oh it's just like um, podcasting. So actually, I'm more of a like one of those people who sort of came in sort of in the last five years. So I appreciate everyone here who might have a bit more experience than I do. Um, I actually started in the roundabout way that you normally do by playing Quidditch, which is now quad ball. Um, and I just went to someone's house a, a day after practice, and they were like, we're going to play D&D. And then ever since then, I thought, this was a great game. I want to run it, because everyone's doing it wrong. And then I realized that, a lot, and I'm sure lots of people will, will come on to this, is that when you're running D&D, a lot of people already know D&D and know the rules. So I came up with a hack, which is that I would learn other systems that people didn't know, and I would run them, and no one would question my authority. And that's why I'm here today, running a lot of different systems that aren't necessarily D&D. So yeah. You can see why we turned her mic off. That's a very good idea. That's a very DM answer. Real <laughs> power move. Really powerful. Is what I'm feeling. I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm here for it. But the thing is, uh, as a person who's never DM'd before, I obviously have the most experience in this. Uh, DMing is hard. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you do to get inspiration? How do you like hone your skills? What is it that you do in your downtime that makes you powerful? Cry a lot. Gen generally just cry a lot <laughs> and right. hope the next time it's going to be better. Look at this. But I'm a professional. I get to sit too. This is it. This is it right here. <laughs> I, think, I, I think it depends on the type of game you've got though. Like if you've got a homebrew world, I imagine it's just drawing inspiration from whether it's real life or media or anything like that and just pulling all of those things into the, the, the world that mm. you want to be, uh, yeah. that, you, that you want to run. If it's just general DM skills, then it's realistically, it's reading, it's interacting with other people that do the, 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 the you respect and, and the DM in the way you want to DM and just picking up hints and tricks that way. I mean, is there anything, what do you guys do? Yeah. I mean, I've always, I've treated like, when you're playing a game, like a tabletop RPG game, like the role playing, those words there feel so important to me. Like it's, if you treat it more like an improv scene, you're doing collaborative storytelling, it's, I mean, it's very easy as a dungeon master. Like, yeah, you have a player and, you know, you've put, you've accidentally, for some reason, you describe something in the room with just a little bit too much detail. And they have decided, <laughs> aha, this stone in the corner of the room is important. I can yeah. tell by the way you described it, it's important. I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes investigating the stone, lifting the stone, rolling the stone over. And every instinct in your body tells you to, like, you know, like, just humor them, let them roll the dice, and eventually they'll realize there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. I realized what you can do is if you had something else in the room that was supposed to be the important thing, you could just put it under that stone. You could, you know, nobody knows what's behind <laughs> the screen. So you can allow them to feel smart, even if they're being really, really dumb. I feel a little bit attacked. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I feel like you're talking about me right now. I feel like he's not. I know it he's talking about He's yeah. talking about me. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. What are the rest of you guys doing? Lifting weights? I don't know if it's, is it working? Oh, it is, that, I, yeah. I know what, I need to speak into the microphone, folks, that's what it is. Um, you gotta get up on it. I gotta get up on it. Yeah. I think, for me, pre preparing, I definitely go into anxious mode and don't look at my notes, and then I do a lot of improv as well. Um, but I will like, go through the story beats of what I want to do, if it's, certainly if it's a published module or something like that. But um, the best thing I do is listen to some sort of big pump-up music, mm. and then I go in as that character. Uh, and then hopefully no one else notices me when I muck up, essentially. Wait, you have pump-up music? Of course I've got pump-up music. Does anybody else do this? Okay, raise your hand if you have pump-up music. And I would like to specifically request 
that you tell me what it is. I'm making a playlist. <laughs> I think we need a playlist. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we'll we, we link that on, on everyone's Twitter, you know? Yeah, <laughs> playlist. For me, I, I consume a lot of media. I have a very specific idea of what I would like to do with my D&D games, so I'll try and consume similar media or books that have come out. So if I'm thinking like, okay, how do I organize my ideas for my homebrew world. Okay, well, Wildmont just came out, and that's really well put together book. They have everything ordered in ways like, oh, yeah, I could put down the laws of, of what each nation are in, in kind of this format. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's a bit easier when you look at what others have done before you, and they've kind of done a little bit of the, the work, the groundwork for it. Um, I also read, a, uh, read a lot of books on tape. I don't actually read because I don't have time to read. It's terrible. Um, and I also look to a lot of the older like Icelandic sagas and you'll find things like they don't just talk about the sails. They call it the enemy of the wind. And yes. you're like, oh, okay, that's, yes. that's kind of a cool thing. And you're getting like slang. And now my, my sailors have slang as opposed to just being like, arr, Avaski, past, you know, the mizzens. It's like, okay, no, the enemy of the sail, the enemy of the, uh, the wind is here. Ooh. Very so. good. It's pretty fun. I like that. Are you? Like are you? That. The rest of you guys? Are you like organ? Are you organizers? Are you? Uh, are you sort of people that 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 um, spend a lot of time between sessions thinking about what you're going to do oh, next, or you sort of fly go. by the seat of your pants no, kind of guys? Absolutely not. The truth you're a comes out. No. I, I basically I forget. I, I definitely I lose track of time, and then I'm like, oh god, it's Monday again. Oh no. And then I'll be like, oh, can anyone recap what happened last time? Uh, and then they'll be like, oh, we, did we not get a magic item? And I was like, yes, I think you did. And then we'll just make it up from there. So um, that, that's how my games usually go. I have to write down like every description of everything that they could possibly encounter. And then they skip most of it, but that's OK. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm not very visual. I have no visual imagination whatsoever. Yeah. So it, it, and as I'm known as like a horror DM. It's got to be spooky, and I, I can't just be like, "You see a ghoul," because if I say it's a ghoul, they're like, "Oh, I know the statistics of that. That's not very scary." So I have to like make a description for every monster and not tell them what they're fighting. Yeah. So I really spend way too much time on that, and then like notoriously on my podcast, people will be like, "Okay, well, we're, that's a really scary end. We're just gonna skip it." And I'm like, "No, eight pages in the bin." <laughs> ah, but it's it really helps me to have like those creepy descriptors, uh, yeah. and I do prepare way too much, and I, I recognize that. I've, yeah, I've, I've never been like a big preparer. I, I started, you know, when we first started the podcast, I made all these maps, I did all these things. Then I realized, oh shit, this is a, this is a completely audio podcast. Yeah. And we keep talking about this map as though the listener can see it. So I, I got rid of that quite quickly. And once I did that, I realized what I really want is I need to have those big narrative moments planned out because what we really want to do is like this overarching long story. We want to have like emotional beats. We want to have things that tie into one another. Mm. So I don't plan sessions, but I do plan story arcs. I plan those big moments that uh, I know we're building towards this in three or four episodes time. So I've got to make sure, make sure I put down yeah. the groundwork now, even though the players don't know it's coming. I would like to bring up something also really huge here. Um, playing D&D at home, can be very different than playing for people's entertainment who are not the people Agreed. at the table. Yeah. So totally. what I put the planning into is not my home games as much. Like home games for me, I will write some descriptions, but I don't have that stressor of like, people are gonna talk about this in, in five years and say like, oh, this is a continuity error here um, <laughs> and, and, and catch us on that. So it, it can be different. You don't have to do that much planning as much if it's not, if it's just for fun. Make sure your players have fun. That's the most important yeah. rule. Mm -hmm. and, you, and yourself. 
Yes. You, I mean, ultimately, the DM is a player themselves, exactly. yeah. and, and the reality is, you don't, you know, you, you're there to facilitate the other people at your table and yeah. lead that story on. But the reality, if you're not having fun yourself, you're a not going to be, you know, doing the best that you can. But equally, yeah. you know, we don't want to put in a lot of time and then come to a session and not enjoy it. So, you know, it's 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 about making sure that entire table is run efficiently and fun. Yeah. You know, but I have a. I'm oh, sorry, you first. I was going to say, but if the D and D, if the if the DM has too much fun. That's also a problem. <laughs> that is. That is. I can report that that's. I was curious, though. Uh, you, you brought up an interesting topic. What is something that you absolutely do not like doing as a DM, but you make work? And how do you make it work? Voices. <laughs> how do you make it work? I'll get back to you. I don't know. Um, I just. I, I think I just lean into it. You know, I'm, I'm really not good at voices. It's not something I can hold. I, I had a session recently where... You know, I, I went into the session going, right, this character's gonna have this voice. And it started like that. And then I had about 20 minute break between that character talking. When I came back to it, I was like, okay, what was this guy's voice again? Um, so yeah, that's, that's the struggle. But I just lean into it, just go, do you know what? I'm no good at this, but I'm just gonna make it as funny yeah. as possible, as silly as possible. And worst case scenario, I just look like an idiot. <laughs> that's, that's something I've always realized is quite dangerous again. You know, that's something I had to learn from the fact, oh, this is purely audio. So if I have two characters that both share the same voice of the, you know, five or six different voices I can do, and then they get into a room together, and maybe I've got to do a conversation back and forth between them, it's very hard for the listener to understand <laughs> what's going on. I mean, our editor, Dan, who's um, another player, he does some amazing things where he, uh, he'll put, like, a little vocal effect on one of the, the identical voices so that you can tell them apart, but... Uh, yeah, it really should have been up to me to differentiate them a little closer. See, I, I have no problem with the role-playing aspect. I could, I could talk to myself for ages. Not a problem. I do it all the time. Um, controversially, it's combat. <laughs> I really struggle with combat. And when it's, um, when it's very crunchy and it's very important, I will always do it in the player's favor. Um, but I will say, I just try high-level combat. I know a lot of the published adventures for D&D recently have been quite low-level. I recently ran uh, a one-shot from the Radiant Citadel, which is, I recommend, if you go get a copy, because it's absolutely amazing. Um, but <laughs> it's high-level combat. And I, oh, it was great. I punched them, and they, they still stood, and they're like, oh, you can really hit. And I was like, yes, this is, this is what combat is made for, high-level combat. Um, so yeah, for me, I really struggle with the lower-level ones and making it balanced. But now I've just got to that fact where I'm like, We'll just see how it goes, and hopefully you'll survive. You know, high-level D and D characters have got some scary they, tools they in break their back the game pocket, all the so time. they should be able to survive something really horrible. That's what right? you'd hope so. It, it's not. It's not just making it balanced, though, is it? It's making it interesting as well. Because right. who wants to sit through half an hour of I roll seventeen, I roll? You know, it's it's also trying to make those combats feel a bit more energetic yeah. uh, uh, and fluid. Yeah, and rather than di diluting it down to dice values. Exactly, like, maths. Does a twenty-eight hit? Probably at this point. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Travis? Uh, for me, it's it's shopping. So like, okay, what? the characters want to go to town to buy stuff. They've got gold. They just won their last adventure. They finished the quest. Now I have to make shopkeepers that are engaging. Because I, I mean, you, you could just do like, okay, take whatever you want from the player's handbook, page 150 or whatever, uh, 151. But uh, for, for the podcast form and for like, okay, well, no, you're going to the shop of Dave the Magnificent. And it's going to be like, he only sells specific goods and they've got like these weird qualities about them. And then you have to like homebrew quasi-cursed magic items that may be useful, may not, might be kind of shady. So like that's, it's always, but it's very improvised because you don't know what they want to buy and you can't prep it. And they're like, well, do you have any lip balm? 
You didn't uh, have you didn't have that prepped. <laughs> you didn't have, have you didn't have that lip balm statted. I, I know. And do you have the stat like okay, heals one hit point to your lips only if it's blister damage. Like, you know, can you believe <laughs> this? So like that, that's tough for me is shopping and then keeping the other players entertained while it's happening. So it's like not just uh, yeah yeah it's separate thing. I, I'll say um, and this is totally stolen by my partner Jacob. So I made him recently. He's American and I made him watch Black Books recently. Okay. Uh, and so if you watch Black Books, you know there's a character called Bernard Black, who is a shopkeeper who hates uh, customers. Scroll place, it's not open, but the door is open, and you can go in and, and talk to Bernard Black. And they're all Americans, so they've never heard of this person. And he did a bit where it was like, you roll a D100 to try and find whatever scroll it was. And as soon as he said, all right, we've done that, okay, what scroll do you want? Oh, shop's closed, get out, get out, get out. And so it, they wasted 20 minutes on it. And I, that's what I want, is to have that. If you're like, I need to prep this for next session, just like, do a character like that that has been really it was engaging, but also just like, go away. <laughs> See, I've, I've leaned into it slightly differently in that I've, I've had a character that is essentially the uniform uh, magic item salesman across the entire land, uh, a guy Jeez. called Yoka. And, and he owns a shop called The Teller's Cellar, and he's essentially an, an extension of myself. He's omnipotent. <laughs> and so the first time they met him, they, they, they saw the shop and they were like, right, we're going to have this scheme where we're going to pretend that you're a, an important guy. We're going to go in as guards. We're going to do all this big... I don't know why they were doing this. It was a shop. But they, <laughs> they decided that they wanted to, to essentially just have this big facade about going in. And so they stormed in. And as soon as I walked in, I just went, oh, hello there, Krill. And like, I just... The, the guy knew who they were. He knew everything they'd Amazing. done. And it literally just subverted the whole thing. And it threw them... They, they were silent. They didn't know what to do because they were like... They thought they were going to go through this whole ruse. And instead, this guy basically just treats it as, look, we don't like shopping. It's a, it's a boring part of the, of the whole role play thing. But let's, if we're going to do it on the game, let's make it a little bit more just different. And so now they know that if they see his shop, at least they're going in there knowing it's someone who knows who they are. So is it, is it like, um, uh, like the trader from uh, Resident Evil? Like, what are you buying? What are you selling? That sort of level. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, he has specific <laughs> stuff on the shelves they can buy. But equally, if they have requests, he'll say, I'll see what's out the back, which is just me rolling a dice and going... Come back to me in a couple of levels. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. There finally is something in the back room. When does it ever go like that? I have to say, those shopping episodes are my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if you listen to our podcast, um, Backwater Bastards, we we love a shopping episode. We I mean, love it. We love a I shopping episode that, like, and an eating episode. Normally, shopping is a, this weird thing. Are you going through pages? Like, I want to buy the things. Uh, but I don't know. We, for some reason, like my players, they they don't really care too much about shopping for like new loot for the next adventure. They always want to shop for other stuff. They want for to like crap. actually. We just wine. want crap. They've just had yeah. this battle, and they just want to go shopping and do some retail therapy. And we will actually spin out sometimes <laughs> like two, like a two-parter of them going to a shop and then getting a meal afterwards. And uh, <laughs> the first time it happened, I was like, utterly blown away. Like this is, might have been my favorite favorite session so far, and it was just shopping. So I don't know. It, you can have a lot of fun with it. If I think you're, you're really on your own, like, Travis. That's hey, what, like, what we're telling you right now. This is about role play. <laughs> we need to take Travis on a shopping episode. Yeah, right? we, like, do. You can have we need to bring Travis. M you can have challenges along everything. <laughs> I think this happened to us because of the pandemic, because we couldn't go anywhere. You're right, yeah. yeah. And so we started going on holiday and going to restaurants and shopping <laughs> in the game. Because we were like, what do you guys want to do right now? Do you want to get fried food in a restaurant? Do you want somebody to bring a drink to your table? And it was like, yes, I want to go to the mall. And we did. And it was like better than combat. It was. But isn't, isn't we, that the... we will take you shopping. 
<laughs> There's Come something talk huge to, to be us. said for, for downtime in games where characters can just have time to decompress from, okay, we just killed a dragon. That was pretty intense. Yeah. Like, where you don't actually have to do anything. It's just kind of like you wound it up, and the players just do what they do and interact, and they like, oh, this was really beautiful. I did nothing. <laughs> That's sometimes where the gold is. Once they have, like, relationships between these characters, like, suddenly you don't have to do anything. It's put we, things in front of them. We have, a, we have a breakfast problem that whenever they stay at an inn, like the next morning, it's like, right, we're going to have some weird, awkward role-playing scene of breakfast <laughs> where they're just ordering whatever they can off the menu. Detoxing, uh, uh, you know, uh, dealing but with whatever happened before. But people want breakfast, Nate. Oh, they do want breakfast, but, you know. Desperately. I don't have a list of and breakfast that's items. Calling, you know? That's so, homework. It sounds like homework for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that, I mean, if you're playing a long-form campaign, isn't that probably the key that you want a bit of everything? You don't want to, if you're doing a one, two, three year campaign, you don't want constant combat, you don't want constant shopping, constant RP. That can all, you, you want a bit of everything to sort of yeah. keep you on your toes as a DM and your players, give them varied, mm. a varied thing, right? Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I want to know how many of you guys homebrew? Does anybody homebrew? Can you hear me? Do Just you guys homebrew? Home do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, I got some hands. I'm feeling better about it. Audience, do you homebrew? <laughs> Super cool. Okay, nice. okay, okay. I'm sure there are some hot takes out there. I would like to hear them later. But you guys, you guys homebrew. What does that even mean for you? Well, I, I, I'll, I'll just jump in quickly because I, I need mine. We, on Dyson Desire, we play uh, the Storm King's Thunder adventure path from, from um, Wizards of the Coast. So most of the story is mapped out by them. For me, the homebrew comes from just adding in little side quests, yeah. adding in characters that might not be in there, or taking established characters and flipping them. I don't have anything. I've done a few sort of one-shots for friends off the podcast. But in terms of, like, huge whole worlds, I assume, like, Backward, uh, Backwater Bastards, I assume that's entirely homebrew, is that? Yeah, we are all the way down to the system we use. Um, so as Fiona said, like, learning an obscure system so no one questions you. I just made the system. So, wow. Yeah, I, I, I am the authority on it. So if I say something different than last week, it's because we're, we're beta testing and I fixed it. I made it better. It's a live system. I get it, yeah. Um, but yeah, the world, I mean, we, we're in space. It's uh, like a, a space opera, comedy, sci-fi podcast. And um, so there's, there's just planet after planet. There's an infinite number of planets. There's an infinite number of different species and things to find. And... Um, Ed, I mean, it is straining sometimes because they can travel so far, so fast at light speed. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just have to make it all up, every single thing. The web of lies is, is big. It's big. So I do a lot of homebrewing. Uh, I release stuff on the DMs Guild. I put so much time into those descriptions. I'm like, ah, oh, I basically wrote the book. I might as well release <laughs> the adventure as a book. So... Um, I make my own monsters because they're fun and disgusting and terrible and we're very big into horror. And if you're going to encounter just a zombie, well, what if it could be a much more creepy zombie with some extra abilities that'll really mess people up or scare them? Like, you know, some jump scare stuff for your combat to make it a little different. Um, I also homebrew classes and other stuff. And we have our own soundtrack. Come for the horror, stay for the hurdy-gurdy. Uh, but so I'm, I'm super... Down that road, we also had a weird moment where our show got really popular all of a sudden because someone joined our, show, our cast. And then I got a call from a legal team of a very big company from the US and was like, do you use any of our IP or intellectual trade properties? And I'm like, uh, no, actually, I never say the name of a monster on the show once. 
So we very quickly created our own uh, Pantheon and our own uh, races to make sure that we're not infringing on any IP from any owned by Wizards of the Coast or any of their subsidiaries. That's yeah. definitely an important takeaway. Uh, <laughs> Homebrewing helps keep you out of prison. It's important. Oh, yeah. If you own your IP, you can get as big as you like. <laughs> you can do whatever you want if you make it up. Um, that's really the key takeaway here. That and come for the horror, stay for the hurdy-gurdy. I love that. Do you that's have it on a t-shirt? Yeah, can we get a t-shirt? We'll, yeah. we'll get it on a t-shirt by the end of the weekend. Um, I'm going to, I'm putting that in my notes, so <laughs> I actually need that t-shirt. This, this is being filmed, right? I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's stuck to it. There's right proof now. that that t-shirt is coming <laughs> soon, trademark. Darkdice.com. Um, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. I'm not sorry. Uh, who wants to introduce me to a favorite NPC? Do you guys want to know anything about that? No, right? Uh, somebody wants it. Somebody wants But it's only like two people, so like, we need a noise meter. I like that. We're going to do it. If you want to meet a cool NPC right now, for free. Uh-oh. Does anybody have one? Travis, you're, you're on break. <laughs> it's, it's all my, my characters just go in the woods. They haven't actually met people in like whole seasons. Tell, um, us, tell us about a tree. A tree. Um, oh, geez. No, Travis's uh, NPCs are too scary for this. Yeah, it my NPCs before, are not. It's before 5 p.m. We're going to need a friendly they're, NPC. They're like missing limbs and stuff. Uh, I, I like. Okay, so I have to. It's like Dave the Magnificent. Yes. Nice. Welcome to the shop of Dave the Magnificent. All the time. <laughs> I would buy from Dave. I would buy from Dave. Anybody got one? So I've got an NPC that I intentionally made to be. Like I tried to make him like, okay, he's, you know, he's, he's going to come in, you're going to be disgusted, and you're, he's going to go. This is, you know, this is just a character, just to get, move the plot along, get him made to be, and they befriended him, they took him with them, he's became, become like a main cast member that I am forced to play <laughs> for like, no, I think an I extra year now. Um, and he's a, uh, like a, a, a little engineer man called Boris, who, um, Great and I, I just did the worst. Like, I tried to do like a grotesque voice for him, so that you know, I, I just I didn't think they'd love him as much as they do. And I've grown to love him now, having played him. You know, he's you've suddenly realised that he's got so much hype. He he talks with a funny lisp like this. <laughs> so now I've been recording the podcast in my house, and the neighbours came yelling with a lisp all the time, spitting all over everything. And uh, you can see why we had to keep him, right? <laughs> Someone someone's got to use that microphone after you. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, no, they're not. No, they're not. I, that one's going amend? straight in the trash. Can I amend? So we actually do, a, I have one NPC. It's called the Silent One, and it's a shapeshifter. <laughs> and it's all the characters who die. It takes their, they become the Silent One as it murders them. So it starts off as like this old guy who's just kind of at the party, and they're like, oh, you know, do, do you know the seventh player? Because I keep referencing seven people in their party, and there's only six of them. But there's seven of us playing on Zoom, so they don't really catch it. And then eventually, like, I'll add like a little like line, like, oh, yeah, and then, Chorus says, like, oh, we need to go this way. And then they're like, who said that? And it's like, oh, they just kind of pass it over. And then eventually the silent one appears and, like, murders one of them. And then they suddenly that player is now, and they don't, the murder happened in, like, private messages about him passing out to that one player and this quiet combat happening while the party's asleep. And now they're the silent one. Wow. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's a bit terrifying. That is terrifying. I like it. Yeah. I uh, like it. I He's think, here now. I think for me, because um, a lot of the times I'm running it with people, I'm running games who are with people who are brand new to RPGs in general. So I have a go-to character called Gwen, who is basically like a paladin knight, definitely not in, sort of inspired by Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones, who is 
affectionately, I think now, my players call her Quest Help. She'll just be like, oh, hello, oh, the puzzle. Ooh, I think it's blue, blue, green, yellow, red, but that's just me, ha, 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 you know? And then, and there'll be one point where they've left her in a room and they're like, should we go back for Gwen? Yes. Yes. She's been left on her room several times. Goes went, oh, back I thought for you Gwen. Hello. Goes back for Gwen right now. <laughs> Sounds adoptable to me. So, I don't know. I don't so know how you I, guys are feeling. I definitely recommend if you've got very small parties of people, people who haven't played before, if they're struggling with puzzles, because I know not all players like puzzles, definitely get a quest help type character um, who might heal, but that's not that's not an optional thing. They're probably going to need to. It sounds yeah, like exactly. What about you, Nate? Um, coming back to me saying I can't do voices. One day I decided there's a there's a character in our game called Zephyros. Um, and all the book says is, 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 is um, eccentric. And I just thought, right, what, how can I spin this? And I decided to do something that's a, a, an offensively vague Germanic, hello, my name is Zephyros, yes. And, uh, and when my players like to mess with me quite a lot. So it was just like, when they were introducing, I am Zephyros, yes. I am Zephyros, yes. Yeah, yes, uh, my name is Zephyros, okay, yes. <laughs> and you are? Uh, yes, my name is Zephyros. And would constantly do that. But you also had messed up idioms. So I'd be like, um, yes, sometimes it, uh, sometimes a peach is eating the tree, yes? And uh, sometimes a dog whistles with three teeth, yes? Um, <laughs> and it just meant that these five players that would that spent a year messing with me as a DM and making me do things I didn't want to do, I just gave them some, some of their own medicine for mm -hmm. about two, three sessions. Um, so yeah, he's, he stands out. He's one of my favorites. Talk, talking about uh, messing with players. I appreciate, I sound like I'm coming across like I, I'm very cruel, like DM should have more fun. Um, one of the one-shots I have run several times is Grant Howard's Jason Statham's Big Vacation. I don't know if any of you have played it. So essentially, uh, your players are the entourage for Jason Statham, and Jason does lots of fun things on his holiday, and you have to organize it all. And the dice mechanic is that you roll whatever dice it is, plus a d12, and if the dice numbers ever match, it says Jason does something unpredictable. <laughs> um, which is really good fun, because you're like, well, I'm just going to get my East London dice. Like, all right, you champs, let's Ah, the zoo! Yeah! You know, and highly recommend, if you ever are worried about DMing players, play that game, and then they're worried for your safety <laughs> and sanity. I think you, you need to throw yourself in as a DM, though, right? I mean, if you're, if you're sitting there at the, the you know, it, we, we often put ourselves too much pressure on ourselves as the DM as being the focus. Yeah. But equally, if you're sat there timid and quiet and, and not really doing your best to sort of bring the story along, your players aren't probably going to be as engaged in it. So, you know, we're, I don't think we're the most important person at that table, but equally we are the focal Depends point. Depends on what game you're playing, I think you find. I Listen, mean, we definitely I'm, we set the tone, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> if you want to play something that is a bit more like, you know, to the point and dry, you can say like, okay, you know, this NPC asks you how you're doing, like, and you can like, you can do it like outside of the character like that if that's the kind of game you're playing. Or alternatively, you can just jump straight into character in a voice and force them to like, okay, now they have to respond in character. As soon as you ask them a question in a voice, they, they've got to respond in character, right? And if that's what you want, if you want these people to develop these characters, yeah. you can set that tone in two seconds just by, by allowing that to be the tone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If anybody out there has a question, I see some people whose brains are working. I can tell. Who, who, who here plays, anyway? Does everyone here play D&D or some other TTRPG? Who runs? Who does actual? There we go. Hello. Okay. We they're, see you. They're the out there. Hello. There's more of them. There are surrounding us. If you are in the middle of that, it's probably not okay. You is can it? remove yourself, though. If you have a question that you want to ask these wizards up here, 
There is a mic in the corner over here, and you can line up behind it if you have anything that you want to ask. If you don't want to ask it uh, on a live recording in front of a room of people, that's fine, too, because a lot of these people will oh, be in the goes. Creator Pavilion at tables 8 and 9. But get oh, a line no. going, and we're going to oh, start a no. last couple of questions, and then we're going to see where that's we're nice. at. So think about it. Hold it in your brain. Craft it. <laughs> One last question while they line up. For anybody out here who hasn't DM'd and wants to, what is some advice that you could give them? And by them, I mean me, but, you know, maybe a couple of you guys too. Uh, my go-to is run a game that nobody else knows about. Um, I love it. But also a game that you, you will... What, you get people excited. So one game that I was really excited about was um, uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth, the RPG. Uh, and that is a very unique system. It's all in one book. It's just 2D6. And you know the character question is really simple and stuff like that. But it's obviously based around a game, based around a thing. And so players, you get into it. And it doesn't matter about if you fail the rules. It's all different challenges. It's not like a, a you need to hit something. Every book, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure type thing. And you can work together as a team. So anything like that, anything that excites you, that is, I think, half the battle. If you're not excited to run the game, that's not the game for you to run. And that doesn't mean you can't run it. I feel like there are games that you are more likely to run and you're better at as a DM because you're confident and you love and you're passionate about it. Just because everyone runs D&D, that's fine, great, good. But that might not be your game, and that's also okay. Uh, I'd say don't be scared. It's, you know, I, I, I as I said, I. Literally, the first time I ever played D&D, &D, I was a DM. I had no experience of what the game was. I'd heard a few podcasts, but I, I, I'd never played and never really had any real-world experience of what I was doing. you just got to throw yourself in there. And if you've got the right table, if they're friends that support you, they'll be hopefully learning with you, yeah. and they won't mind if you stumble or if you get 100%. something wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a process. That first time, I over-prepared, and I got through it pretty fine. Yeah. I've had some really bad DM days since then, but I'm still here and come out the other side. That first one is always going to be the toughest one. Yeah. And if you've got some experience, great. If you don't have any experience, that's fine. Just do it. Just, yeah. go, just go ahead with it and let the, your, your, your players support you. I've got one that's a really, really practical tip. If you're like a first-time DM, this is the, what everyone does the first time. It's what I did the first time, and you can, you can break the cycle now. Do not drop a bunch of characters that your players have made who do not know each other yet yep. in a room and be like, okay, guys, sort it out. Meet, form a party <laughs> in character right now at the beginning of our game. Don't, don't ever do that. Kind of yep. sounds Give like maybe you've tried that some before. Some sort of pre-established pre -established relationships. Even if it's just like, you guys are a party, you're doing this adventure together. That has already been decided. Give them that because you can, you can save yourself so much grief just by doing that one little thing. The more vague and open you leave your stories and ideas and descriptions, the more your players can put their ideas into play, and those ideas can be better than yours. And you can say, yep. that's what I intended all along. Oh. And their ideas can be really brilliant. So the more vague you can be, and the more you allow their creativity to influence your game, the more fun you'll all collectively have. Mm -hmm. yeah, the place they want to go is the place they're supposed to go. Always. I, I also have another practical one. So if you are really not sure of the rules, if you're one of those people who you've read it, it's not gone in, but you have another player who's like happy to help, I designate them DM's corner. 
so that if you're like, what's the rule? Um, let's turn to DM's corner, like on countdown, and you're like, you've got 30 seconds to find the rule. And if you can't find the rule, we'll go with our guts. And then at the end of the day, you can always double check and go, I got that wrong. And you go, oh, well, we didn't find it in the 30 seconds. So that's absolutely fine. But yeah, having someone that's designated maybe who's tracking initiative, perhaps, or if you're really cool and have like music and ambience, I can't bother with that sort of thing, but if, if that's something that really appeals to you, having someone else looking after it, also pretty cool as well. So yeah, have, have a DM helper or DM's corner if you have. I like this. I hope somebody wrote all that down for me, right? I right? it's been recorded, so we should be okay. <laughs> Nobody gets my jokes. No. <laughs> I don't see any notepads here, so... Okay, look at this. Can we look at this? These people over here. These are the questions. Are y'all are ready for this? We're ready. Yep. Probably not. Let them loose. Be kind. Hi, panel. Thank you so much for all your amazing uh, words so far. I have a question about how you deal with problem players or difficult players, especially the players who decide to come in. And I'm, I'm going to say it's people who like to play rogues, for instance, <laughs> and want to steal everybody else's stuff and cause trouble and work, when everyone's worked really hard and then they just mess up the scene. Like, what are your tips and hints for dealing with those players? Skyhooks. So you've got their backstory and it's like, oh, well, that's your brother. Why are you stealing from your brother? Like, you can, you can force their ideals, bonds, flaws to be closer to everyone else in your party and create a cohesive force. Or you can adjust your game where stealing from others in your party would be detrimental to them personally, right? Like, people who are evil, yeah, they're evil, but they don't want the world to end because they can't be evil if the world ends. So coming up with reasons ahead of time that would force them to act in the self-interest of a group instead of themselves, even if it's for selfish gain, can be a huge benefit. Like. You can run evil characters at your good table, and it, it could still work really well because this is the guide they've chosen, and they're being paid to be there by their boss to help out the party do this or that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, th I think really as well, like if we're talking like a problem player, then you need to have a conversation. You know, if someone is yeah. actually ruining everyone's fun, you need to take them aside and you need to tell them because, you know, we all want to have fun. And if someone is just willfully doing things that are actually kind of destructive to what everyone else is trying to do, then they need to be let. No, I mean, whereas if it's just a problem character, like they've maybe, they've decided, oh, my character's really selfish and steals from everybody they see and so on. I mean, maybe that's salvageable. Maybe you just need to give them someone else to steal from rather than the party. You've got to like, figure, okay, maybe this is fun. Maybe we can work with this. But I think ultimately like having just values that you all share is so important. And I know it's, it's really hard to get a table together in the first place. Yeah. So time, sometimes you're stuck with whichever friends are willing to show up. But... The best thing you can ever do is just make sure everyone's having fun. And if someone is having fun at the expense of literally everyone else, they either need to be told off or told to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also, uh, it depends on, it, as, as Dick says, it depends on the level of problem that they are. You know, if, we've, got, we've got a guy who likes to push me to do the animal voices, and so I decide to make animal characters that he doesn't want to talk to anymore. So that stops him in his tracks. So it sort of it just depends on what level of problem you've got. You can go down the passive aggressive route. You can go down the look. We need to have a proper chat about how you're running this. Um, it just depends on it. But I think it's just being responsible and, and, and hoping that they don't do that yeah. in the first place. Mm, yeah. Uh, hi, Mira. Uh, so I hope you're not referring to our game at all. But uh, no, I think 
Um, for me, one big thing I always do is uh, boundaries and foundries. So I know we've all talked, about, or we've all heard of the concept of session zero and like what's on the table, off the table. There's X cards. I would check out safety tools in general. But one thing we want to make clear is like, what do you want in the scene with you, or what you don't want on the scene with you? So for me, boundaries, your know, topics are off the table completely. Great. But then foundries are things that you want to happen in the thing. So people, if someone says, I want to have scenes where my character is stealing from people, but it, there's a bigger meaning behind it other than that's what my character would do, that's the conversation to have. And then, men, then you can have opportunities to be like, we can make it into a story development. That's what Travis was sort of saying. So, but you have to have those conversations. They can't, whilst they might organically come up, everyone needs to be on that same page. Because we are, at the end of the day, we're setting that tone, we're setting that facilitation right at the beginning. And that, regular check-ins. I know it sounds boring. Admin, no one likes admin, but I think boundaries and foundries, five minutes at the beginning of every other session really works well. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. I'd Thank have you. my tea later. Thanks, Mira. <laughs> Interjecting a little DM moment. We have officially six minutes left, so we will oh, probably go not, rapid fire. We will probably not get to each question, and I'm warning everybody, these people are going to be here mostly all weekend. Yeah. Some of them know, but one of them at least. So if we don't get to your question, we'll which we probably later. won't, <laughs> please come visit us in the Creators Pavilion at tables eight and nine. You can't miss it because we have covered the place in banners. And you can trap these people and ask them 310 questions if you want. But I do think we at least have time for one or two more, so get going. I'm looking at running a horror game soon. How do you build genuine fear or suspense in your players? Could you repeat that? I Sorry, you're very, very quiet. How do you build, how do you build genuine um, suspense? That's so, definitely a Travis question. Suspense, yeah. that's a fun one. Uh, sorry, I couldn't hear you very well. Uh, suspense is reaching the destination. But it's not the destination, it's everything up to the destination. It's the foreshadowing, it's the pre-shadowing, it's the smell in the air, it's the small subtle hints you're leaving that, you know, there's this strange substance on the walls that's glistening. Like, you're, it's everything leading to the moment that isn't the moment. And then, you know, okay, you encounter an ooze, cool. Um, but everything that you can use, sensory perceptions beyond the five senses, because some characters have the ability to see in the dark, they see infrared, they see in spectrums that we can't see, or they can see good and evil. They can sense this as, as sounds. So you can, uh, you can get really deep into those other uh, ways of perceiving things that aren't what we experience, and you can you know, pre-write up descriptions, you can have it be foreshadowed, you can encounter NPCs who maybe like, will drop hints like, oh, I've heard there's someone who used to be an adventurer before they took an arrow to the knee. And then, you know, <laughs> that person happened to be the person you're looking for. It's the old master, the sword master, whatever. So you can breadcrumb. I'd, I'd add on to that as well, and which doesn't work for podcasting. I realize it. Pausing. The last thing you said is the most important thing. Like, so describing a room and pause and holding that moment, because then it's up to your players to then what is next. The longer the pause, and it's terrifying. You could just be sat there going, I have nothing else to say, uh, which obviously ruins the moment, but pausing is such an important thing, so I'd recommend that as well. But also, a little breadcrumb for you, Travis has to run after this panel to do another panel specifically about audio drama, which is like yeah. the thing that he crafts, so you might actually be able to kind of learn some more about that too. And he's trapped at this table in the creator's pavilion like <laughs> today and tomorrow, so... Thank details, you. peppering them in. 
I think this is going to be the last question. You two visit us at the table yeah. because we got you. And we have free dice. So, yeah, like, what are you doing if you don't visit? Just saying. Take it. Uh, I was just wondering if you have any tips for, like, um, running encounters with, like, multiple NPCs that have to, like, talk to each other and how to make sure your players know which NPC is talking at what time? The way I would really run that is, I mean, personally at least, I like to, you know, it's like you're reading a book. You're reading a fiction novel, so I, I will, like, you know, such and such walks over and says, and then, then I jump into the voice. And then, you know, you just, you've got to give those little things. But if you've got distinct different voices, you can also just jump in with them. Yeah. Depends how, how good you are at voices, I think. Yeah, I think you, you don't have to necessarily do the conversation itself. You could just say that you hear them have this conversation whereby so-and-so says this and the other character says that. You know, you could always, almost describe the conversation in front of you without actually having to do both sides of it because it can feel a bit odd and for the players feel like be weird to watch you just talk to yourself. So if you just describe what's going on, that may, be, that may also work. Depends on how big a conversation we're talking about, of course. I think it depends on the characters as well. If you've got a very narcissistic character not describing anyone um, who likes talking for ages, it's great because then you can carry on until one of the players interrupts and then you can just go, yes? In the sense of you're just listening out, you know, and you could go on forever. They might be very timid as well, but like I always, my preference when I do my boundaries and foundries thing is like, I do not mind being interrupted with a question or just stuff like that because I will take this moment to shine as somebody who wants to do GCSE drama then never got it. So I just, it, again, each to their own, but if you like these certain characters, they would happily chat away or something like that. Lean into it, try it out, and then you, you don't have to worry. You could always, and then end it up by saying, and then they continue their wonderful story and it's Oscar worthy, blah, 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 depending on how you see it, so. I would add one other thing. Uh, this is probably something you've never considered, but I co-DM a lot with my wife and the two of us are the DMs, and then I was like, I'll be this one, you'll be that one. And then we just like have arguments in front of people, and it's like so really awkward cool. for some, like, man, these people are really hate each other. And they're like, yeah. oh wait, we're supposed to interact. And then like they get pulled into the conversation, oh, what's this person doing? And you're, you're, you can have a lot of fun co-DMing. Yeah, co-DMing is really fun. So at the end of the day, the real answer to that question is you could do whatever you want. You're the DM, baby. It's your game. But you share it with a whole bunch of other people and they love you, and thank you for coming because it's 1240 and so we need to get the heck out of here. Please come see Travis. He's in another panel on the creator stage. The far you corner. back there, <laughs> come on up. <laughs> we will chat to you, do your thing. But we're gonna get off of this stage because we're in the way now, officially. Thank you for coming. Thank Visit you. our table. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Get the heck out of here. Get my bag. <laughs>